Welcome to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. Please open your hearts to hear an anointed message that will encourage and empower you to walk in the love and light of God's Word. Beloved, in part three of Babylon Rising, we are going to address the false prophet as he is revealed in chapter 13 of the book of Revelation and the critical role that he will play as the right-hand man of the Antichrist as he wields his global control over all people left on earth after the rapture of God's true church. To lay a foundation for our research in identification to the possible candidate for this religious deceiver, allow me to share a commentary by David Jeremiah entitled The False Prophet in the Book of Revelation, where he writes... From the prophets of Baal, who challenged Elijah on Mount Carmel, to cult leader David Koresh, the world has known its share of false prophets, and the Bible says that more will come. However, during the second half of the tribulation, Satan will empower the false prophet to deceive the world into worshiping the Antichrist. In Revelation 13, 1-10, John saw a beast rising out of the sea of humanity, a composite of the four wild animals that Daniel saw in his vision of the four beasts as described in Daniel chapter 7. They represent four world kingdoms, Babylon, Medo-Persia, Greece, and Rome. And while this beast will have the attributes of the others, he will be more powerful and fierce than any of the others. He will be well-spoken, intelligent, authoritative, and cruel. This beast represents the Antichrist. A second beast appears in verse 11, and he represents the false prophet. Bearing the meekness of a lamb, this beast will convince the world that he is a reasonable, humble, likable individual. But his gentle veneer will only conceal his true nature temporarily. A predator with all the ferocity of a dragon. He will be the consummate fulfillment of the warning of Jesus in Matthew 7.15. Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. Once the Antichrist and the false prophet emerge on the world stage, Satan will establish an unholy trinity. Just as the Holy Spirit leads people toward Jesus Christ, the false prophet will point people to worship the Antichrist and mimicking the relationship between God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son, the Antichrist will receive his power and authority from Satan. This blasphemous trio will control every aspect of society and seek to steal God's glory. Revelation pairs the Antichrist and the false prophet significantly. The former's focus will be politics, while the latter's emphasis will be religion. In the true church's absence, the unholy trinity will establish false doctrines to solidify the Antichrist's political power. Satan has used this strategy throughout history. 
whenever there is a spiritual vacuum, political power marries itself to false religion, to give itself a mark of acceptability. Even secular belief systems like communism, atheism, and materialism cannot get away from religion. Their religion is anti-God, but it is a faith system nonetheless. During the Great Tribulation, Saint will use false religion to unite the world under the leadership of the Antichrist. And in his power of deception, the false prophet will counterfeit God's miracles by calling down fire from heaven, as recorded in Revelation 13:13. 13, 13. In the Old Testament, calling down fire from heaven was often used to execute God's judgment. Fire and brimstone fell on Sodom and Gomorrah in Genesis 19.24, and in Leviticus 10.1-2, fire consumed Aaron's sons when they violated God's commands. Elijah triumphed over the prophets of Baal when the fire of the Lord fell from heaven and consumed his sacrifice, as recorded in 1 Kings 18.38. And during the tribulation, fire will proceed from the mouths of God's witnesses, as confirmed in Revelation 11.3-6. Whatever God does, Satan is the master counterfeiter and holding ultimate earthly authority over spiritual matters, the false prophet will oversee the construction of an idol for worshiping the Antichrist. It is likely that it will be placed in the most sacred portion of the newly rebuilt Jewish temple. And although Scripture does not give us much detail about the image, it most probably will be a large structure not just an effigy on a coin or some similar symbol. And it will serve as a gathering place for the Antichrist worshippers. This will not be any ordinary idol. Somehow, the false prophet will empower it to speak. Satan cannot give life, so the image will not come alive. But its ability to talk will deceive the people into believing that it is alive. And as other world events have been covered, the media will certainly carry the content of the image's speeches in the news, and it will become a focal point of every person's daily life. While the mark of the beast is often associated with the Antichrist, the false prophet will be the driving force behind it. He will require every man, woman, and a child to bear a seal on their hand or forehead to signify their allegiance to the Antichrist. And in yet another counterfeiting attempt, this marking will be a demonic substitute for the seal that God's angels place on the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, as recorded in Revelation 7.3. In a world controlled by Satan, the mark of the beast will wield absolute power. The Greek word for this mark is haregma, and refers to the Roman use of a seal connected with the emperor, which conveyed official sanction. So the beast will use haregma to identify those who are loyal to him. Those without this mark will not be permitted to purchase what they need causing them to die from exposure, starvation, or illness, if they haven't already been killed by the Antichrist. 
and unlike the government-issued ration cards from World War II, this system will be permanent under the beast reign. All the money in the world won't be enough to buy even a loaf of bread without the mark of the beast. One of the most perplexing aspects of the beast and his mark is the infamous number 666, as recorded in Revelation 13.18. People have made all kinds of speculations about this number. For instance, it first appears in the Bible in verse 18, which is 6 plus 6 plus 6. Goliath was six cubits tall. His spear's head weighed six shekels, and he had six pieces of armor. Nebuchadnezzar's statue in the book of Daniel was sixty cubits tall, six cubits wide, and six musical instruments summoned the worshippers. But these and similar interpretations are just observations. They tell us nothing about the actual meaning of 666. Until now, it is not certain that anyone has had the wisdom to calculate the true number of the beast. We do know, however, that numbers in the Bible have great significance. While the number seven denotes the perfection of God's acts, Scripture associates the number six with man, for he was created on the sixth day. Tripling that number, making it 666, could indicate the beast's incredible human ingenuity, or the epitome of man apart from God. Just as six will always fall short of seven, man will always, even at his best, fall short of God's perfection and his glory. Whatever the number 666 means, the mark of the beast will represent man's attempt to glorify and to deify himself as a final act of rebellion against God. Man's kingdom, instead of God's kingdom, will dominate the great tribulation. And the false prophet will be a major player in the operation of the global empire that will encompass Lucifer's demonic kingdom through which he will be purposed, even as he is now, to gain the worship of all people on earth. In our next segment, we will investigate the most probable candidate for this role of the false prophet, who is already actively promoting the one-world religion of the Antichrist. But as we close for today, please allow me to leave you with this parting thought. In Revelation chapter 1 and verses 1 to 3, which launch the prophetic insight that flows through the next 22 chapters of this book of prophecy. It is written, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his bondservants the things which must shortly take place. And he communicated it by his angel to his bondservant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ even to all that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of the prophecy and heed the things which are written therein, for the time is near. Beloved by God's prophetic word of truth, we have been alerted with the exhortation of the Holy Spirit to read and heed the words of prophecy contained in the entirety of the book of Revelation 
and therefore it is critical that we do not neglect the wisdom, understanding, and readiness which are provided therein. As the church becomes more worldly in her thinking and actions, God's holy remnant is being called to arise as his watchman on the wall and to sound the alarm in proclamation of his unadulterated word of truth, while contending even more earnestly for the true faith which was once for all delivered to the saints. For this world, as we know it, is spiraling at an unparalleled pace into the depths of the demonic darkness of evil and corruption that Jesus warned us would signal the revisitation of the days of Noah and his soon return, making the rapture of his redeemed ones even more imminent. But much of the church has backslidden into apostasy, and rather than being the salt and light to a lost and dying world that she has been called to be, she is actually campaigning for Lucifer and his counterfeit of Christianity that will play a vital role in the Antichrist one-world religion. Second Timothy 3.1 confirms this tragic falling away. But mark this, that in the last days perilous times will come with verse 5 describing a company of people who hold to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. In other words, they may speak the scriptures or even acknowledge Jesus, but it will be by way of a worldly and man-centered version that denies the eternal life-transforming power of salvation's new birth miracle that is manifested only through genuine repentance and complete trust in the blood atonement sacrifice of Jesus Christ the Lord. We are living in that time now, beloved, and the enemy's deceptions have reached a crescendo, as the global religious and governmental empire of the Antichrist is being readied to make its debut. If we do not keep our focus on Jesus and his unadulterated word of truth and life, with understanding of how dramatically current events are lining up with biblical prophecy, we too may be in danger of succumbing to the worldly dictates of this fallen world and become embellished in the everyday routines that can keep us tethered to this earth and its temporal vanities. For while we are still in the world, as his born-again offspring, we are no longer of this world. And that reminder is vital to our walking out of salvation's power in eternal life truth, in the midst of an unbelieving world filled with Satan's deceptions. In Mark thirteen twenty-three, Lord Jesus exhorts us with these words. So be on your guard. I have told you everything ahead of time. May that knowing be our equipping in service to our King as we await his coming for us. And may we be all the more purposed to bring him glory in all we do and say. For truly, he alone is worthy. And as always, beloved, I bid you his agape. You've been listening to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. If you have a prayer request, please contact us 
at Agape Light Ministries, P.O. Box 6313, Chesterfield, Missouri, 63006, or via our website at www.agapelightministries.com. Again, that's www.agapelightministries.com.